0: My name is Alex Seekins and I'm joined by David Stockton today. We're going to be doing our third deep dive podcast. We've been doing some things we've been calling deep dives for a little while, but we're working through the gospel of Mark right now and um, we haven't done too much skipping yet, but we're going to be doing some more skipping through, uh, trying to hit some of the highlights. And so David just did a really awesome message this week on uh, Mark chapter four, I think, right? Uh, where Jesus is hitting parable after parable after parable after parable. Are you parable. asking
1: me if the message was awesome or if it was on Mark chapter 4? Well, it
0: was on Mark, Mark chapter 4. <laughs> I, th- I thought it was awesome. Mark it was great. Four. Great message, solid. Um, yeah, it was just really beautiful, I think, stringing through it. We were just talking mm. uh, before we were recording a second ago that it's interesting as we're kind of skipping through the gospel of Mark so far, three for three, uh, myself, Ryan, and you have gone and looked at the chapter, and rather than just choosing to pull out one single little tidbit – it just seems so hard to to kinda break one of those tidbits apart because there's so much interweaving that's taking place in the Gospel of Mark, so you picked up on some of that interweaving that was taking place in the parables. Maybe David, could you give us a really quick like, hey, here's some of the threads that I saw that I may have mentioned on Sunday, some of the threads maybe that i I saw that i maybe I didn't mention on Sunday. take us through a little bit of a little bit of Mark chapter four,
1: yeah, mark four. Through the lens of you know trying to figure out what are the what are the simple consistent things that Jesus did, that we know we can emulate, um, so that maybe we can get to see some of the not so simple hmm. things that Jesus did, the amazing things that Jesus did. So if we do the things that Jesus did, then we get to do the things that Jesus did. So looking at it through that lens, um, Mark was just very very clear. John Mark writing chapter four, however it was in his mind, or Peter, as they were unpacking this, it was very, very clear they wanted people to know that Jesus was a teacher, Hmm. that Jesus was um, always, I mean, it says, and again, Jesus was by the lake teaching, and he was in the synagogue. And it's funny, he always gives very clear, like, Description of where Jesus was when it was happening, yeah, and, and a bit, especially at the beginning here, it's just he's bouncing around this lake like crazy. On the other side of the it's lake, on the other side of the lake, and then the other. Even what I'm working on for this Sunday, it's, um, I mean, it's just he's always on one side of the lake. It seems maybe that's like, why he
0: had so many fishermen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he just he was like Peter. Yeah. You thought it was because you were cool. I just needed someone who knew how to do
1: a boat. Yeah, and maybe that's because Peter's telling, like Peter's mm. Peter's telling through Mark. Maybe that's another insight into the Peter reality. Yeah. Of the book of Mark, because it's so centered on that. We got to go on a boat. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I miss being on boats. He was, he grew up and Mm. he was doing his trade, but, um, but yeah, so that's, that's what it was in in Mark four. Um, it starts out again, Jesus was, you know, teaching and, uh, and then it goes into kind of these, this funny interaction between Jesus and the disciples where he would, he would teach in a parable and then he would ask he he would obviously get that they didn't quite understand what the parable was about mm. and and i i mean i don't know if it frustrated jesus but there's definitely jesus had an emotion about that yeah that it's hard for us to totally pick up um but it's you know in my mind kind of like a teacher who recognizes a student doesn't quite grasp it so they spend a little more time yeah now you know i'm sure there were times where jesus was frustrated <laughs> the yeah. students weren't getting it and sometimes you hear that in in some of the phrases he uses, "Oh, you have little faith," mm-hmm. or whatever. But I think you know, the, you know, the emotion more is just realizing that they're not grasping it. So, as they spent more time outside the crowd, outside the, whatever was happening, kind of maybe by the fire that night, mm-hmm. or or in Peter's you know home or whatever, yeah. or wherever they were, you know, they could ask questions and Jesus would unpack it a little bit more and. And he says to them, to you are given the secrets of the kingdom. And so, um, yeah, so it's just parable, parable, parable. The three things that I said was Jesus was a teacher. Jesus proclaimed the kingdom of God. It almost, from Luke's you know account in the book of Acts, it says that's all that Jesus talked about mm. was the kingdom of God. And then he used parables to do it, um, particularly for the crowds and for those who weren't his disciples. Um, but in each of these gospels, you know, we have, except for John, we have the parables. I mean, these parables were teaching tools that Jesus didn't just use one time and these guys remembered them. These are things that Jesus was using with every crowd everywhere he went to some extent. Mm -hmm. And so they became really easy for these guys to memorize. And truth is, is when he sent them out, they probably used the same parables for the most part. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think you made that point on Sunday too. And I think that's such a, like such a subtle, simple little point that's so valuable to remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think even just for kind of looking at the at the scope of the Gospels and some of the well, did it hap? Did he say this here or say that there? You know, Jesus was an itinerant preacher, mm-hmm. um, and, and the the thing that if you know any teachers in your life, um, if anybody who's cursed to be a good friend of mine, <laughs> um, you know that you're going to hear them say the same thing over and over and over and over again. It's not yeah. a different message every time. Sometimes it is, you know. But it's it's the same thing because they got something good and valuable, and they want to make sure everybody hears it. Mm-hmm. And so, even though you know, I, I think we we look from our perspective at the gospels and think, well, here's this single account of Jesus's life, and it's written down, and since it's recorded, why why would there need to be any redundancy? Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's because you know we're getting the recorded version, we're getting the the biography almost. Um, where it wouldn't make sense to record the same thing over and over and over again. But the reality was he was teaching the same things. He was doing the same miracles, oftentimes making the same points and illustrations. And I'm sure some of the things he said or did were novel and kind of one-off. But I'm sure plenty – I mean even – he he fed thousands of people with fish and bread twice at least. You know, (laughs) like – trying to drive it in. You know, I'm studying uh, Mark 8 right now, and it's like he he talks, he's talking to his disciples, like you're saying, and he says, D- do you not get it yet? Like, didn't you mm-hmm. see the first time I fed the thousands of people and the second time I fed the thousands of people? Well, why don't you understand that, you know? Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I think that's, that's a subtle and important point for us to understand as we look at the Gospels and especially kind of try to assess well, the and again, of their claims.
1: more more emphasis on the teacher part of you is so exciting like you think that's so cool. There's like this little you know kind of hidden gem there mm-hmm. that if we're looking carefully enough, if we're doing our research properly enough, if we're, if we're digging in enough, we get to start to see these these interesting things about the author or you know, like we were talking about Peter actually coming through John Mark. Yeah. Because he's talking—why is John Mark talking about the sea so much, mm. the Sea of Galilee? Yeah. Well, it's it's because he's he's telling Peter's story. Yeah. And so it's it's fun when you just—when you stare at it long enough, you start to notice different things. And yeah. That is some of the joy of, of being a, a teacher, is, mm-hmm. is um, you get to stare at it long enough to see some things. And that's why, in some ways, the message ultimately ended with, now you guys, every single one of you, whether you're a pastor or a preacher or not— if you're called to follow Jesus, you're called to do the things that he did. Yeah, And that means you are supposed to be a teacher.
2: Yeah. Well, who am I
1: going to teach? Well, it's somebody, mm. teach some kids somewhere. That, that's how I got my start, you know, 17 years old. And someone said, hey, you want to teach these kids? And I was like, not really, but sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I will. And I for the next 15 years, every Wednesday, every Sunday, I was teaching the kids. I was trying to help them understand the kingdom of God. And I ended up learning way more than they ever learned. Yeah. First first of all, I'm, they're, they're kids. <laughs> they're just not, they weren't grasping tons of things. But it was so interesting as I tried to process the kingdom of God and then tell it in a way that a kid would understand. I was basically creating parables. But then those parables have been so life-giving for me. And that process of trying to condense it, mm-hmm. to understand it enough to be able to explain it to a child, has just been huge in my life. Yeah. And, uh, and so I that's one of the things I just, I think, you, I want to encourage everybody. You know, it's not just for Jesus or the rabbis or the priests or the pastors, but really Jesus doesn't want every single one of his disciples to go into their part of the world and teach mm-hmm. all the things that they've learned. And some of that is because you'll learn a lot more if you set yourself up to do yeah. that.
0: Well, and it's, you know, I... I you were teaching about you talking about the parable of the sower this week too, and that just kind of was sticking in my head, and my heart, and felt like the Lord was bringing it up throughout the week and um, was telling me a number of things. But one of the things that I felt like the Lord was saying um, just the other day, it was uh, during our staff meeting. I was, and I think, kind of in the drive to work, and the conversation I was having with the Lord. Then I was looking at the parable of the sower, and I was feeling. I think a number of things, right? I was looking at that parable and I was seeing people in my life, in that parable, who um, different people who have different yeah, soil. Yep.
1: I get what See, you're saying. Yeah,
0: seeing people in my life who who got just snatched up right away. People who took mm. root and then trials came and and the sun baked them. And I was thinking about all the people that that you know we lost. I think uh, I'm, not, I'm not speaking physically, but spiritually speaking from the church you know, in 2020 and 2021 yeah, who, yeah, you know, just, there wasn't, there was something real there, a real response mm-hmm. to the gospel. And then the world got hard and, um, and, and they didn't, they didn't want to follow Jesus anymore, you know, yeah. and, uh, people in my life and my family, I've seen that happen with, and, um, people getting choked out by the, by the worries and the pleasures of the world, the people I've seen year after year, um, you know, whether it's getting suffocated because they're too busy or whether it's just kind of slowly drifting away but never outright rejecting the Lord because they're just having a little too much fun drinking, a little too much this, a little too much that, um, a little too much pursuit of of money or, or whatever. I love Jesus. He
1: he makes it very specific. Worries of life, mm-hmm. the deceitfulness of wealth, mm-hmm. and other desires. <laughs> yeah. Those are his three specifics. And that, I mean, that covers everything, yeah. right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, and so much, and then I I got to the last, the good soil. You know that what does he say that that that's fruitful. You know they mm-hmm. planted in there they bear fruit, and there was a little like heart check for me. I think at that moment, thinking, gosh, like what's the fr- what fruit, you know? And I, I've gone through different seasons of life, and you know, I used to be a youth pastor, and it feels really fruitful when you're doing that. You got fifty, sixty, seventy kids. You're you're deep in their life. You're seeing stuff happen. It really just mm-hmm. feels like. This is fruitful, and then that season of my life closed with a year of really intensely discipling just a handful of people when we were doing anti trafficking ministry, and mm. that felt so fruitful. And I'm in a weird season now where I'm still pastoring; I still get some of that, but I'll, I spend a lot more time clicking away at a keyboard than I ever have. And uh, and I'm teaching, but it's a little bit, you know, I'm teaching a, a big room with a few hundred people in it when I do. And I was just thinking, God, is there f- fruit? You know, and I felt like the Lord said, Well, let's not even talk about what you're doing. In in ministry, quote unquote, I felt like the Lord started talking to me about thinning out fruit. You know, if yeah. there's this this thing, if you have fruit trees ever, mm. you know, which that's my dream. I don't have any fruit that fruit trees that that make fruit these days. But that's like a, your dream, like well, yeah, I, yeah, I'm a nerd. I want an I orchard. It. I want trees. I don't know why. It's just it's just a thing I've been dreaming about lately. But um, but like peach trees, especially in Arizona, you know, they'll put off literally hundreds and hundreds of peaches. But if you just leave those peaches the hundreds and hundreds of them it's going to be hundreds and hundreds of tiny little sour peaches that just never get really juicy or riper worth eating and so what you got to do is you go through and you you pull out one out of every 10 one out of every 20 maybe even one out of every 50 of them early on in the season and then what's the ones that that you leave those get big and ripe and juicy mm. and good and um And this Tuesday morning when I was talking to the Lord, or I should say when he was talking to me about this, I felt like he was saying, you have a son. You know, I got Silas, he's a year old. And I felt like the Lord said, if there's one fruit you're putting your energy in, Mm. and that comes out big and juicy and ripe over the next 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, like that's been fruitful. Mm. Um, and and I, the, you know, and I think the Lord was saying that alone is good—just one big juicy fruit, you know. Which isn't to say there isn't value in more than that, that. There shouldn't be more fruit on the on the tree, you know. That there isn't something valuable, you know, or fruitful about the other stuff that I was doing. But I felt like the Lord was saying that's. That is a, a, a valuable priority there. So anyway, that that's not necessarily exegeting the passage there, but it's just something the Lord was telling me yeah. through that. I'm I'm curious, David, for you as you were studying through these parables, was there anything you felt like the Lord was saying right to you and all that?
1: Um, well, I mean, a number of things happened again as I as I stared at it long enough. Um, I mean, the just the harping on seeds and farming mm-hmm. And again, you know, Jesus is teaching a group of people that are going to be very familiar with agrarian realities. Yeah. Um, and and so he's he's harping on those. Like, uh, and the people he's teaching most likely didn't have, you know, deep education, um, reading, writing, all of those type of things. So the stories were really helpful in that regard and, and really relatable to them. Um, so I, I think that's neat. It also brought to mind, you know, the my own little parables that I've developed over time, teaching tools. I mean, uh, when I was in college, I remember having to present in a communications class. This was in its George Fox University. It was a, a, it's actually a Quaker school. It's a Christian, private Christian college that I got to go Free oatmeal? No, no (laughs) free oatmeal. We did have to, no, we didn't have to wear hats or anything. Um, but, but I, I remember in that class, we were supposed to give this presentation and it was supposed to be like three minutes and it, whatever. And I, I ended up sharing kind of my testimony in three minutes. And I used this, this story of, um, a guy I used to live with who was, who was a big guy and he, you know, had big hands. He was a welder. It was all these things, but I heard he was really good at guitar. And, you know, and then at one point he wanted me to, let him play my guitar, and I was like, no, because I don't know you. It just seems like you'll destroy the guitar, and I want to play my own thing. And eventually handed it over, and he made this beautiful sound out of it. And So it became this parable for my life, and I mean, I'm looking at Alec, who's heard that story yeah. probably so many times over the years, whether we're in Belize, Africa, you know, mm-hmm. Eastern Europe, or or in a youth group, even the people here at the church. It's funny, I I, I feel like because it's such an important story to me, I'll share it you know, from time to time in our Sunday morning. But I'm always like, I wonder how many people yeah. have heard this before.
0: And, well, because um, you're a teacher too, <laughs> like yep, we were talking yep. about before, the well, same Yeah, It's my
1: go-to. It's like yeah. whenever I'm really trying to get to the heart of what happened in my life when I was 17 years old and how the Lord brought about that exchange between me and Him. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, this, this is the, this is the illustration God used in my own imagination. Yeah. But I mean, it wasn't just imagination. It was, it was reality that connected with my imagination, mm-hmm. became a metaphor for my own conversion experience to some extent. So, but it's funny, I've shared that every everywhere and, and it's nice cause I can do it in a three minute version. I can goof yeah. off and do it as a, as a chapel for some, some school, I could, you know, And, uh, and I, sometimes I I remember when we were in Ireland one time, um, I was doing an assembly in front of like a thousand high school Irish students and, uh, and I had a guitar and so I actually used the guitar, used the guitar and kind of was doing it, you know, with, as a prop in that regard. So it's just, it's funny how that happens. And, um, yeah, so I was thinking about the different parables, the way that the Lord has kind of implanted some of those things in me over the years. Um, but I think you know it's just it's just the biggest takeaway for me was just the reminder that you know we're supposed to be doing that like there's people out there that don't know about the kingdom of god mm. they they don't know what it feels like they've never experienced it um they all they know is the kingdom of this world and and this world is is, is shaky i mean it's mm. always been shaky it's always been temporal and yeah. and empty and and dog-eat-dog, dog and I mean, all these kind of things, and, and the hope, I mean, what Jesus brought in was, what Jesus brought in with his first coming, right, when he became the, the babe in Bethlehem, was he, was he was bringing the full reality of the kingdom of God to bear in a new way where we never we had never seen the kingdom of God like that before. Mm-hmm. We had never seen God like that before. Now God was in the flesh, speaking yeah. our language. You know, you could, they could touch him, they could they could see him, they could walk, they could see the way he interacted and walked, and um, and all of I mean, it was just like now the kingdom of God was was here, like it had never been before. Yeah. Yet it was embedded in the kingdom of the world, which is so fascinating. Jesus' return again is where there's now a renewal mm-hmm. to where the only thing that we really know now is the kingdom of God. I yeah. Mean, that's the hope of all of that, that all that was temporal will be passed away and kind of like caught up in this new reality where the kingdom of God is the forefront. Mm. Um, but right now the kingdom of the world is the forefront. The kingdom of God is, is kind of this underneath, in-between um, reality. And so, you know, I, I'm still trying to figure it out all the time. I'm still learning from Jesus all yeah. the time about the kingdom of God. But um, there's a world out there that doesn't know the righteousness, joy, and peace that is the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. I mean that's the way, you know, Paul describes the kingdom of God as righteousness, joy and peace and believing. Yeah. And we have we've got to be helping people understand that. And then yeah. I mean last night was a yeah. was a real neat moment <laughs> which was uh, last
0: night we had that all for one where we had yeah. three other churches come here and we all worshiped together and prayed together and yeah. it was awesome. Yeah. It was really so
1: cool. So that and that was something where, you know, in, in some ways I didn't know what exactly we were trying to do, just felt like the Lord was saying, get some people together. And so w- there was a unity that was kingdom of God type mm-hmm. unity. There was a humility that was kingdom of God yeah. type humility. There was just a love. So I, it's like everyone's saying, oh, that was so great. That was so great. And I was even talking to Dalton just a second ago going, we just did a worship and prayer time in our sanctuary. And that was. I mean, we've done that a billion times, yeah. but there was something about, what happened last night mm-hmm. that that felt fresh yeah and it was like we all got a taste of the kingdom of god as four churches came together in one spot and and loved one another um, not just like cooperated but actually like blessed one another yeah. leaned into one another and and we you know worshiped the lord it was it was like we got that righteousness joy and peace taste that was mm-hmm. a little different so Um, yeah, so we, we, our lives should, our words should be proclaiming, our lives should be proclaiming, um, the kingdom of God because people need, people need to know about his kingdom. It's the only thing that's good in this life. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, As, as I've been studying through Mark too, it's been so interesting, like, and I think fruitful for me to, to, to read it. To try to put your perspective, to stand in other shoes, to, right, to shift your perspective as you read it, and realize right as Jesus is saying this, it's blowing everybody's mind totally. and also confusing them totally. profoundly. They have no idea what he's saying yeah. because there's never been any talk that anybody's ever understood of a kingdom that wasn't a kingdom, yeah. you know, and they're expecting the Messiah to come. And to establish a king, the king, the the lineage to reestablish the lineage of David, a dynasty yeah. that's been broken for a while, but to come and, and and reestablish it, and then and then that Israel would then come into prominence, uh, perhaps global rule. That he would be like the holy Jewish Alexander the Great, yeah. you know, and that's what they're thinking Get is going those on. Romans for sure, yeah. They
1: were not they were not Roman fans,
0: yeah. <laughs> and you know, and 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 they're tired of the political parties that the Herodians that are nuzzling up the with the Romans class. yeah they're t- the 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 Pharisees that are trying to you know use the law to get that you know but mm-hmm. everybody's got that mindset Peter and I'm skipping ahead again cuz I just I'm studying it this morning but you know Peter says oh Jesus you're the Messiah and then he's like wait wait you're not going to die though buddy mm-hmm. like no cuz you're going to rule and reign you know and I'm going to be right with you and they're just missing it missing it missing it they don't get it yeah. and the, and it's funny it's this, as we read the scriptures like we're at risk of the same trap the same mistake you know when we read those parables it's like what is he saying mm-hmm. because we're thinking of the kingdom of heaven as something different I, you know i think one of the things that we tend to do is we you know we're, we're not expecting jesus we know the way the gospel I don't want to say ends, but ends right with his death and resurrection. We know that Jesus doesn't, you know, come conquer Rome, but I think we read it and we think, Mm. oh, the kingdom of heaven, what he's talking about is like, what happens when I, when I die. But it's, I don't know if it's in mark. I think it's in mark, but I couldn't find it. I was looking for it earlier today where he says, Hey, you know, like some of these people, they're not going to pass away until the kingdom of heaven comes in power. Mm -hmm. And, um, so either Jesus was wrong, because all those people died, mm. um, or he was saying something really weird and confusing, or he was dead on, and what he meant by the kingdom coming in power, at least and was was the church or mm. him and his resurrection and that and that yeah. those those people who were listening to him speak physically right then and there, they saw the kingdom come in power, and all of those guys died long before Emperor Constantine ever made Rome. A Christian Empire. They died when the Christians were being persecuted. Mm-hmm. And so I, that's at least one interpretation of what he is saying is to say, well, the kingdom coming in power included persecution and did not include yeah. the political clout that came under Constantine and it wasn't Christendom. Yeah. So I don't know. That it's just, yeah. just, just just some thoughts there, but
1: Well no, I think those are I mean, that's getting Feels like we're getting away from Mark for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, sorry, but, but that's why we're. That's why <laughs> yeah. it's a podcast, right? That's yeah, where, that's the that's the goodness, because I think what you're saying is actually super pertinent to, to you know, discipling our minds in today's day, and uh, and you see it in in Mark more and more, and you see it in, in the other apostles or the other gospels as well, but it's it's the it's the the challenge that is there that Jesus didn't rule or jesus didn't save or jesus didn't um like use his authority in the way that they wanted him to Mm -hmm. and and they couldn't understand it and just like you said mark four for for them that's the first time they've ever heard these parables you know so they're hearing it and um there's a guy, the Bible Project guy. The way he was describing people hearing this is like Charlie Brown's the t- the adults in Charlie oh, Brown talking yeah. to the kids. <laughs> it's like, wah, 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 wah. and it's funny because they actually then the kid will respond, but it's just like, yeah, it's but obviously you all you can hear the adults saying is, ma, 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 ma. <laughs> and I've seen that very thing happen with my daughters at times when I'm talking <laughs> to them. They're just like, Mah. they just do not care at all what I'm saying. Um, but that there was there was that confusion for him and, and when I thought you were gonna refer to it's in John where oftentimes he says, but then later after he rose from the dead, yeah, they understood what he was talking yeah. about, which is such a funny thing. And that, that's that's where I think Jesus' parable of the seeds is 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 the mustard seed, right? Once mm-hmm. it's planted, it becomes this huge thing. Yeah. And and once the kingdom of God is planted. Once we, once we grasp one little bit, then it just grows and grows and grows and grows and grows. And, and so we continue to understand the full realization of, of the kingdom of God. Yeah. And some of it is, is we have to let go of what we wanted the kingdom of God to be mm. and allow the kingdom of God to be what it really is. And so when you say the persecution or whatever, that's obviously very clear that, that Jesus was, was ushering in a kingdom that wasn't just you know uh, like natural human government yeah. concerned it wasn't just you know jewish rule and authority over the other nations it's something very very different yeah that the kingdom of god is and even you know this isn't in mark but the beatitudes gives you that same what yeah it's just so upside down it's so counterintuitive to our, you know, empirical five senses type understanding of what kingdom and what, even what God should be. But there's a, there's a constant, you know, as the, as the understanding of who God really is comes to the forefront, we have to let go of the things. I mean, how many times have you been disappointed in God? How many times have, have I been let down because what I wanted God to be, he wasn't but ultimately I want God to be who he is because he's perfect and good and holy and right. And it's my perspective that needs to shift and change over time. But yeah, that was hard for them to grasp Mark chapter four. They did they did a little better after the resurrection. It's yeah. like they finally were like, Oh yeah, there's this guy doing uh, something, that's man. What he was this guy's about. doing something. But before then, every challenge was just something that either was going to kill their God, yeah, was going to take Jesus out, like death, like you were saying. If Jesus died, then everything yeah. he said is false and and not true. And yet Jesus did die. Yeah, and and then rose from the dead. Yeah. they didn't see that coming. You know? well, even though
0: he told them over even and over and over right? again, <laughs> yeah.
1: they were like, "What is this? Yeah. this is some more of that seed yeah, nonsense?" And in those perils, yeah, like if, unless the cur- the seed dies, it can't give way to the yeah.
0: you know. Yeah, earth yeah, earth and, and you know, Rome came and went. Christendom as an idea of mm-hmm. a part of the world that is ruled yeah. by believers by Christianity came and went you know where's Christian Europe now where's the Christendom that that was there you know that and even I would say even in our own nation that the the idea of you know America coming into its own as a Christian nation and being a, a nation of Christians ruled by believers and followers of Jesus uh, in a lot of ways, that that dream has come and gone, you know? And yet, the kingdom of heaven hasn't gone. Yeah. The kingdom of heaven is still among us. The kingdom of heaven is still thriving. You can't the kingdom, say kingdom of heaven. Of is heaven. Still We're in the book of Mark. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Have that's true. To say Kingdom of God. Kingdom of it God. It's tricky because that's such a...
2: <laughs> yeah. You know,
1: they each call it their own different Their own different thing, yeah.
0: But it's, it's, it's 2,000 years and counting. Yeah. Well, quite a bit older than that, I would say, but...
1: Well, and that's... And again, right now... You know the fact that this person gets elected president, or this gets person, yeah. get, is is God. God totally let me down. Yeah. Or now God got it right this time. You know, yeah. it's like well, again we're we're buying into the wrong kingdom. Yeah. We're we're missing the actual kingdom that God is wanting to build. Now that's not to say that all those things don't matter and don't have value and have great import into our lives. Mm-hmm. But at the same day, same time, all of our hopes, fears, dreams. They should be tied into the kingdom of God, not into the kingdom of this world, and uh, that's a tricky line to figure out sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes I wish Jesus would, you know, hang out hang out in twenty twenty four twenty twenty four uh, version of humanity. Yeah. And but you
0: and you see him doing that in the Gospels, that's right? True. Just kind of that's messing with the established parties and politic and all that, and yep. and and. and for lack of a better word, transcending it, mm-hmm. but it's like he's just zipping over to a whole other universe that somehow blips into their politics, but yeah. in a weird way. Well, and that's the phrase
1: that I'm been I'm trying so hard to unpack for us at living streams is how do we follow the way of Jesus and 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 know that at sometimes it in intersects with politics. And sometimes it doesn't. yeah, and just to make sure we're, we're, we're intersecting with po- politics and that type of stuff in the same way that Jesus did because his way is taking us there, but not, not in other areas where the way of Jesus doesn't take. I mean, it's, I think we have to pay so close attention yeah to where we're walking and, and what we're taking in and all these things right now, because it would be easily to conflate, right mm. um, to conflate the way of Jesus into political things that we care about that maybe Jesus isn't so strong on, or then to do the opposite and, mm. and to you know stay away from political stuff because Jesus would never. Well, no, Jesus did, and, yeah. and there were times. Do,
0: do you think there are any underlying precepts or cheat codes or ru- rubrics or rules of thumb uh, to help us navigate that? In, the, in anything?
1: Yeah, I mean, like in, in
0: our life, you know, like where does the way of Jesus intersect with politics? Where does it not? That's been one of the questions we're paying attention to as we yeah. study the gospel of Mark, right? Um,
1: yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I mean, I think I'm. that's one of the reasons why I wanted to go through Mark, because I wanted mm-hmm. to just stare at Jesus, you know, at the beginning of this year, hard and long, and just stare at him to be able to see those things. But I think... We're a little early on right now um, to make Mark conclusions. Yeah, um, I have some John conclusions because I don't know if you remember we taught through the Book of John in 2020, and really did speak to some of those exact realities. Mm. And then actually we did First Kings um, in 2020 as well, was to try and see where because because in First Kings, you know, when Solomon was was ruling David and then Solomon um they were the world power you know mm-hmm. israel was the world power at that time and so we were trying to learn from from their downfall because they you know after solomon they really had this decline and what was causing decline in their in their time and age and what and how can we learn lessons from that so those were all funny things but those are those are non mark things yeah. but in mark so far i mean i think we're just we're just getting to see jesus as a teacher who was all about the kingdom of God not, mm-hmm. the, not the kingdom of not his own not I mean it's funny to say not his own kingdom because he, is God and yeah. he has got a Jesus kingdom but he wasn't trying to build the Jesus ministry or <laughs> yeah. you know the Jesus political campaign he wasn't he wasn't trying to build that yeah um and even even to the extent of telling people hey don't tell anybody what I did you know keep, yeah, keep it secret or whatever because he had a very specific mission which for us would have seemed seemed more like down into the yeah to the to the left instead of up and to the right yeah um, but but again that's the upside down kingdom reality where he came to give his life away yeah um, instead of to receive a crown or yeah. receive um, some sort of hu- human approval or or anything like that and so I, I mean I think that's just something that we have to be careful um, to really know that Jesus isn't trying to build an american kingdom mm-hmm. that will bring peace on earth. Um I think America's great and wonderful, but at the same time um my citizenship is primarily not american. My citizenship yeah. is primarily, you know, a kingdom of God. Yeah. And then I also am a citizen of this. And I think we have to keep those priorities and those un- I- identity types stuff yeah. in order or we can get to some weird things. Yeah. But then but then, looking at Jesus, I mean, obviously he, was, he very clearly confronted evil and sin in his day. And I think, you know, if I was to, I don't know if this is safe or not, but if I was to kind of talk about the two extremes of right and left in American reality right now, which is funny, I was in Ireland for nine months and the right and left reality is so much different than yeah. it is here. But I think you hear Christian nationalism would be this kind of right, extreme mm-hmm. thing. And I think definitely you see in Jesus's life, he's like, no, we're not trying to build some human kingdom reality. Yeah, There's something else that we're trying to build. But then on the other hand, I think with maybe a progressive kind of understanding is there's, there's just this like, Hey, we don't need to come down hard on anything or anyone. Yeah. Let's just kind of, you know, make everybody have the equal opportunity, equal outcomes, all these different things. Whereas with Jesus, I mean, Jesus said it came to bring a sword. Yeah. Um, and so there's this real intense kind of, like, work in Jesus' life against that reality where he was calling sin, sin, and he was very clear that there were lines that were in and that there were lines that were out. Um, and so, you know, he, he, he walked that perfect middle, you know. Yeah. And I, we, we are trying to follow him, and we bounce around probably a lot, but, but, but Jesus walked this perfect middle. That we're trying to find, so I don't know if that yeah answered your which, question. for clarity's
0: sake, that perfect middle isn't libertarian, <laughs> um, but yeah. you know, like that's not it's it's almost like middle is is the wrong word, you yeah. know, like it's Walk not the narrow, the straight and narrow. Yeah, it's something. It's a, it's words. a different paradigm. It's mm-hmm. like nah, different universe here, guys. You know, Yeah. and uh, which sometimes feels like middle, but it usually just feels like yeah. What do you? What exactly. do you? What it. Nobody nobody thought that was an option, yeah. you know? And he's the like, mi- yeah, I'm not middle, talking about the same thing The you middle are. is,
1: and this is, again, stealing from John's Gospels, Jesus came full of grace and full of truth. Yeah. Like 100% of both of those. And that is the most impossible thing for us to find. Yeah. and And, I mean, I think checks and balances, you know, American form of government, when the checks and balances all are appropriately empowered and not, you know, abused. I think, I think those can help us help us find that, that blend. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, Jesus's plan was, was to put his spirit in each side, inside each person to help them learn how to walk full of grace and full of truth. And so that's, that's what we're focusing on. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. His desire was to change hearts and lives and, and to bring resurrection life, yeah. not to fiddle with the dials of society yeah. until we get as close to utopia as we can. Yeah. Um,
1: and Bonhoeffer,
0: I mean, I love, I'm, I'm so happy
1: Bonhoeffer said something like this because, you know, he was brilliant, he was amazing, he wasn't just talk, he actually laid his life down mm-hmm. for what was true and right. He faced what what is pretty clear to say absolute evil, yeah. you know, human humanly speaking. Um, it's scary to think that someday that could even, you know, yeah, be a little bit obscured or, or 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 whatever. But um, but in, but what he said is the best thing. Sorry, just in case people don't know Bonhoeffer. Yeah, Bonhoeffer was basically like a contemporary of Hitler, mm-hmm. living in 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 Germany and and seeing the rise of the Nazi and and um. And he was a regime. pastor. Well, and he was an ethicist mm-hmm. and a pastor and all these other things and. Um, was a pacifist, and then ultimately, you know, he was he was found out in a plot to assassinate Hitler yeah. and put in prison. And then right after the liberation of Germany, he actually was killed. So it mm-hmm. sucks that it was right yeah. after the liberation of Germany that he was killed. But um, but yeah, but so in, in his processing all of that, how intense that was, trying to help the church be what the church is, is supposed to be, and walk that line. Um, in the midst of just all of that chaos, he said, "The most important thing, the best thing that any Christian can do, is do what the Holy Spirit tells them to do." Mm. And he, and he's not some charismatic like yeah. Pentecostal guy or whatever. I mean, he's staunchly kind of um, you know German and and yeah. Reformed and all these type of things. But at the end of the day, that that was the only thing. We c- we can't put our trust in in leaders. Mm. We can't. Um, put our trust in ourselves alone. We can't, we just, the best thing that we could ever do, no matter what the political reality is, is do what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do. Hmm. And, and so then the next work, I think, is to try and make sure you're, it's the Holy Spirit yeah. <laughs> and not what you want the Holy Spirit to be telling you to do. That's why we have the scriptures. That's why we have, you know, community. That's why we have our reason. That's why we have history that's so why we have our experience. A little Westme- West, uh, yeah. Wesleyan quadrilateral there for
0: you. Uh, so I'm wondering, our, uh, out of Mark chapter 4 and those parables, um, I'm wondering what didn't make it into your Going sermon? Going back to this Mark week. chapter 4 after we Going just, back to now that we've surveyed the whole the thing, <laughs> talked about Bonhoeffer and <laughs> the Gospel of John and Kings and all those. Yeah. Uh, moving back to that, what mm-hmm. uh, what didn't make it into your sermon that was hard not to include? Um,
1: well, some things that didn't, that, that I, I, I didn't, um, spend time on or any time on, um, obviously unpacking Jesus's unpacking of the parable of the sower. Mm -hmm. It's funny. All three services were extremely different messages this last Sunday, which is very rare for me. I'm, I, I, I usually try and maybe my jokes will be a little bit different or, or something, but. I usually get all the same content out there, but this one, I, I don't know exactly why. Um, but they were all they were all pretty different. Um, so I, I don't remember which one, which, but I know I, I didn't unpack that part very much. Mm-hmm. I tried to focus on the parable of a sower. The crux of the whole thing is that it's the parable of the sower. It's not the parable of the soil. Mm. And it's because if the seed isn't sown, it doesn't matter what happens to the soil or mm-hmm. whether it's good soil or not. If there's no seed, then it has no chance. And so the point of that parable is Jesus is saying, I'm out here proclaiming the kingdom, teaching, and I want you to go and do the same thing. And he actually, in Mark chapter 6, sends his disciples out to do that very thing. Yeah. Um, and, and, and then the subsequent parables that he gives are all more about sowing that, sowing, sowing, sowing. And so um, I didn't spend a lot of time unpacking the the, the the soils, which is very rich teaching. Mm-hmm. And in and one, one of the services I did talk about, um, I kind of combined that phrase from John Mark Comer, the deceptive ideas that play to disordered desires that are normalized in a sinful society. How mm-hmm. uh, you can kind of see that where the, the birds, Jesus say, are the devil who comes with his deceptive ideas. So just as soon as you hear the truth, there's some sort of lie that comes, and it and it's almost as if the truth never even has a chance, because you get so confused, or you choose to lie over the truth, kind of mm-hmm. like, you know Adam and Eve type situation. Yeah. Um, and then the second one is is maybe a little bit more internal, where it's talking about you know the stones under the soil, and so we have these disordered desires, where you know the word of God might come and teach us something, but it it conflicts with one of our desires. I mean, I think sexuality would be one of those issues mm-hmm. where, where you know, there's a teaching that God has that's for our good about you know, one woman, one man, and that type of stuff, and we can see sociologically how how beautiful that is. But when we have maybe a disordered desire within us, for whatever reason, um, the disordered desire chafes against whatever the word of the Lord is and and we end up you know having this kind of like oh that's beautiful i, I want to be a part of that but when it conflicts with the disordered desire it doesn't have a chance to really grow mm-hmm. um and then and then the last thing being the you know the stuff around us that chokes us out and so things normalized in a sinful society um i think that there's there's a reality there where you know the cares of life, the worries of life, the, the riches of life, yeah. uh, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life type stuff can so easily choke those things out. So, it was, again, I just kind of saw that phrase unpacked in there. And um, and so I, d- I unpacked that a little bit in one of the services, but um, always felt rushed on it. So then I left it out of the other two. Um, but then on, another thing is the whole idea of just – Getting to hear Jesus teach mm. what that would have been like. Yeah. Um, I mean it the the phrase in Mark, Mark's, you know, he's he's got these like real concise bits of information and they were amazed. Mm. And they said, We have never heard anyone speak like this before. Yeah. He speaks as one who has authority. Um the, the fact that even crowds would come and gather. And again, I I mean it I'm I think from Isaiah's prophecy, from, you know, the rejection that Jesus did experience from mankind and all of that in his life, you know, the idea that there was nothing about Jesus that would have drawn us to him Mm -hmm. is what the prophecy in Isaiah is about. So he wasn't like beautiful. He didn't have this voice that was just so amazing. Like there was none of those things. (laughs) Yeah. There was none of those things. Yet at the same time, the common people heard him gladly. Mm. There was something about when he spoke that made your heart burn within you. And so I didn't, I mean, there's part of me that just, in the staring at it long enough again,
2: Mm.
1: I just wanted to be there. I just wanted to hear that. You know, and then John even talks about in Revelation, how his voice was like many rushing waters and all Mm. these things. So just to actually hear the audible voice of Jesus, to see the look in his eyes as as he's addressing these people, um, would have just been such a fascinating, fascinating thing. Which is funny because then Paul, right? Yeah. When Paul taught, it sounds like it was he had an annoying voice. And yeah. He was somebody that was you know kind of annoying to look at. Even yeah. it seems like, and nobody took him seriously. Like, how can this guy be a great prophet? Look at him. He's he's a nothing, or he sounds yeah. like a nerd or something. I don't. know. It's, so it's just kind of that was a little tangent that my brain went on. Mm. Um, another thing that I actually didn't, I actually. I didn't get into one because I didn't really get into it as much as I was wanting to um, in my study time. No. But the whole idea of imagination. Mm. Um, so Jesus is speaking in parables. Yeah. That that was creating, you know, pictures in people's minds. You know, a sower went out to sow. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I say that, you're in your mind. You got you got you got someone there and whatever your farmer in your mind is, whatever your farmer in your like, everybody's yeah. got a different mm-hmm. farmer in their mind. Um, big farmer, little farmer, you know, like, and then that, that person is sewing, whatever, is it, is it the sidearm technique or yeah. is he chucking it like a baseball? And does he have a machine that's sewing that thing? You know, like yeah. it's, but I just think the Matt Jesus, um, it's so interesting because the way he spoke, was was creating word pictures in your mind and i think maybe just cuz of the preaching reality or or whatever i i think it's so interesting to be able to create images in people's minds just by saying some things yeah. I mean, what a what a weird i mean it's like little kids do it all yeah. the time their imaginations all over um and sometimes i feel like as a preacher, I'm saying, I'm saying, hey, can I borrow your imagination? But I don't ask permission to, I just do it. Yeah, you know, like that seems a little funny too. Maybe AI mm. is gonna create some new conflicts there. I don't know. But um, but anyways, Jesus talked in story, creates these images. Um, and I've I've actually been thinking about that in my prayer life to some extent. Mm. Um, there's a practice called sozo, mm-hmm. um, which which I I remember praying through one time and so it's it's someone was kind of guiding me through a prayer and they were asking me questions and one of the things they said was picture yourself you know alone in a room with God mm-hmm. and so I did and then they would ask me questions about what I was picturing yeah. so like where do you see God and I was like he's on a throne and he looks like a grandpa you know or something yeah. like that was that was what I, that's what was coming out of my imagination and they were like okay now turn the camera and look at yourself how do you see yourself Yeah. and I was like I'm a little boy mm. and I look exhausted. You know, so they were just and so it was it was interesting because it was like creating this this prayer moment, this encounter with God using my own imagination and and I go back to that all the time because as we continued on it was like, well, what is God what do you think God God's emotion towards you is or what do mm. you what do you think God wants you to do? And for me in that moment I said, well, he's he's looking at me like why? Why are you working so hard on everything? Mm-hmm. You're doing so many things I didn't ask you to do, and it's funny because that's been that's just a reoccurring theme in my life. Yeah. And then it all all I, I when I when he asked me what does God want you to do, is like he wants me to just jump on his lap. Mm-hmm. And so then I ran into that. And so it's funny now. I mean, I, that was probably 20 years ago. but yeah. But there'll be times in my prayer time where all of a sudden I'm feeling exhausted, I'm feeling overwhelmed, and I'll go wait a second. I'm just that little boy. And what are the things that I'm doing that God hasn't asked me to do? Mm -hmm. Or whose burdens am I trying to carry when God's like, Hey, I didn't, I'm not asking you to do that. And then I can find rest in that. So I don't know. It's interesting. I actually just did that with somebody else who was kind of stuck in, in some things in their life. And I said, well, Hey, let me, let's close our eyes and let's do a little prayer time. And, and I, created some somewhat same thing. And his and what's funny is his was totally different.
2: Yeah. Um yeah.
1: it and then I was trying to make sure I'm not trying to make him say the same things I was saying because it was so meaningful for me. Yeah. It's like you gotta see yourself as a little boy did <laughs> not I d I didn't I didn't say anything like that. He saw himself as as the age he was and yeah. So it was it was very interesting. But um you, but yeah, the imagination and how that interacts with our faith.
0: Yeah. I was I had two thoughts when you were talking about that one was, you know, like you're you're talking about Jesus speaking and it creating things. Mm. And that was just immediately zipping me over to Genesis 1, you know, which is Jesus, the word of God. And he spoke and there was, let there be light and there was light, you know, and how beautiful that is. There's something about storytelling, about, um, about creativity that is, you know, the way we get to arrange things and, and especially what that evokes in other people, um, That is probably the closest thing to genuine creation as opposed to Mm. rearranging of stuff. You know, once we're hitting into people's imaginations and their own imagination, there's something truly like kind of big C creative about that. Um, And I think that that's just so it's the character of God, right, to create. So, of course, he's telling stories. He's been telling stories. Hmm. Since he wove the world, since he since he said, "Let there be light," and there was yeah. light, you know. And then the other thing I was thinking on the practical side is you're talking about that Sozo bit. Was have you ever done uh, Ignatian meditations? Um, is that something
1: that, uh, like morning and evening type stuff?
0: Uh, no, it's. Uh, it, I mean, it gets. We tend to. Uh, we've actually done them in our daily devotionals before, but repackaged them to because yeah. the word Ignation sounds too yeah. ooh whatever. But it's just Ignatius of, of Loyola, right? Yeah. Um, it's just a process of usually you you pick a Psalm or, or, or more, more likely a narrative part of the Bible, like out of the gospels would be a really good one. You know, maybe even one of the, the parables, whatever you take a, a short passage of scripture that is kind of a complete story. And then you, um, you sit down, you do something really similar to what you are saying. You imagine the presence of the Lord as you, and you're trying to be led by the Holy spirit. You're asking the Lord to lead you in your imagination. You sit down and you say, um, you, you try to engage your imagination to imagine the presence of God with you. and then you invite the Lord to lead you um, to kind of illuminate things as you read through the passage. And then you read through the passage once, um, just trying to turn on your imagination for every little detail. What are the rocks? look like how did it mm-hmm. smell what was jesus's voice you know mm-hmm. what would it be like what am i wearing what you know where am i sitting you know all this kind of you know just turning on it what did that person look like you know what kind of hair did, you know turn it on all that what did it feel you know uh using your your senses in there you read through the story once like that and you let your mind and your heart take any rabbit trails that pop up and let the lord guide you in that that's kind of the point there and then you read through a second time Um, But before you read through it the second time, you ask the Lord to illuminate a particular perspective or character. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you read through it through that lens of Peter or a disciple or the blind man or Jesus or whatever, you know. Um, And again, pausing to take whatever rap trails. That is such a valuable spiritual. It's one of like my favorite things to pop in and do that every couple of weeks to go through a passage in a way that I haven't before. Because um, there's there's something really beautiful and holy about the imagination, and yet at the same time it's also worth noting, right? Like we want to start that off the way those Ignatian meditations do, of saying, "God, would you lead my my imagination?" Because I, I want it. I want to hear from your Spirit. I don't want to imagine my own whatever. Um, and I mm-hmm. want to be guided, and we filter that in our imagination. If we're, had, especially if we're having a meditation in quiet time, we filter that through the scripture and through, you know, the Wesleyan quadrilateral, like you were talking about. Um, mm-hmm. But
1: yeah, because there's tons of danger in that. Yeah, you know, the imagination can get real I mean, weird. Actually, real quick. the scriptures, when it speaks about imagination, is usually not very positive. Yeah, um, and I think that's obviously a way that the devil comes. And yep, did God really say? You know, yes, or, you know, it kind of helping us to picture God in a different light yeah, um, or picture ourselves in a different light, picture the world around us in a different light. And I think that's, that's what's so challenging today is, I mean, our imagination is, uh, our imagination is just absolutely owned by media. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's incessant. It's powerful. It's never been this, this powerful. It's never been this dialed in. It's never had so much money behind it. Mm Mm-hmm. And we still have the same brains as yeah. everybody did back then, you know. Was, the brains aren't different, but but what's hitting those brains is, I mean, it's so much more powerful. It's kind of like they talk about the weed of you know forty years ago versus the weed of today. Yeah. And the 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 power of it and the damage that it does. Um, I'm not condoning weed of any age by the by <laughs> any any era. Not by not from the, the '70s way. or the yeah. <laughs> 2020s. Um, but I I just think. You know, it, it's yeah, it's it's powerful stuff, and and I think that's a bit of what we've seen is our entire population can be just by just by a few images mm-hmm. can be completely swayed into something by people who who want to present the image and turn it this way, um, and we're only getting little bits of the image, right? We mm-hmm. don't we're getting the seven seconds. We're not getting the what led up to that seven seconds, and what yeah. what happened after that seven seconds, and what's the background. So, but just with these images, you know, so much can can change one you know one way or another. Yeah. I and mean, that's the political machines and yeah. the ideological warfare that we're in right now. And I think, you know, hopefully we are mature enough in our in our understanding, in our life, and in our grasp of the scriptures to process that. Um, I don't know if that's always true. I know, I know it's hard for me at times and I'm, I've been, I've been digging in this word for a long time, but I know my kids aren't mature enough to Mm -hmm. be able to process all that stuff on their own. And that's, that's the subtlety and the danger of it all. So yeah, we do have a lot, a lot of work to do. Yeah. A lot of work to do, um, to train up our kids, to train our own hearts, to not be deceived. Yeah because of imagination.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But Jesus well, Jesus
1: good. used imagination
0: for sure. I was thinking as you were talking about that I was thinking about um there's a ironically uh well, let's call him an economic commentator but um but he's definitely a conservative guy. Thomas Sowell. I don't know if you ever read any of his mm-hmm. stuff, but um but he said something I read the other day that I thought, "Man, that is so so key." And he was saying that it's it's much easier to consolidate power than it is to consolidate useful knowledge, um, and what he means by that is like, yeah, okay, how do we? You know, it's a lot easier for people to um, to get to the place where they have authority to kind of change the way the city works and is structured and all that kind of stuff. Um, and the economic incentives and all that. It's a lot easier to do that than it is to actually equip that person with the power – Or sorry, to actually equip that person who has the power with the knowledge to do things that are actually going to work out for everybody. Mm. But that random guy who's just trying to deal with the economic situation of his family, he knows what's going to work out for his family a lot better than the guy I making – I
1: think what you're, what, is, or what you're saying is like it's a lot easier to get power – it's a lot harder to be fruitful.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think what I was gonna say is uh is, you know, it's it's a lot easier to consolidate power, and I would extend it a little bit from what Sol said that than it is to consolidate wisdom. Right? But right, so,
1: but the power doesn't produce. Yeah. Like, but 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 what is gonna actually work for the most people for the most good. Yeah, exactly. That's a whole different ballgame. Yes. And right now people are just trying to get power. Yes. And they're they're stopping short of now, how do we use that power to actually benefit? Because yeah. they
0: see a problem. Yeah. And they and, and so, like to your point what you're saying, the strength of, of media, right? Power is consolidated. The the, the ability to influence yeah. society as a whole is easier to consolidate now than it ever actually has been, right? When we have influencers, right, who can gather a few hundred, a few thousand, you know, tens of thousands, millions of people. Under their influence and influence them. It's very easy to do that, relatively speaking, at this point in, in history. But it's not so easy to, to gather to yourself the wisdom to do a good job with that. You know, we used to talk about role models, and is this person a good or a bad role model? And you know, in the '90s, it was like, oh, we have these boy bands or what? Are they good? Are they good role models? We don't even talk about that anymore. Mm-hmm. People don't even discuss whether or not that like influencer is a good role model. Nobody cares
1: about character. Yeah.
0: yeah, they just care about, hey, I think this is influence. how we should fix the world, and so let's influence and let's do it and let's get people to do my thing.
1: Is this person influential? Or should this be like, no one says, should this person be influential? Yes. It's just, is there influence or not? Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's interesting. And
0: and anyway, you know, I think, I think back There's to your point. There's definitely some
1: people we should be canceling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, Which opens up a hilarious can of worms right there. And to your
0: point of what Bonhoeffer was <laughs> saying, right? How do you consolidate wisdom? Yeah. The Holy Spirit. Yeah. Access, listening it's to the, the, the Holy, Holy Spirit. True general revelation. It's so simple. All
1: people, all time never wrong. It's
0: it's not easy. It 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 it's not costless. But hear and obey. Hear the voice of God. Mm. Obey what he says. I would say if I'm ever doing my job and I'm sitting down and doing counseling, pastorally caring for someone, helping them get from where they're stuck to where they want to go, all I'm ever saying is hear God and obey him.
1: Yeah, what's the next step Jesus is asking you to take? Yeah and you know, Pope Francis, his, his quote is ask what Jesus wants you to do and then be brave. Cause yeah. whatever Jesus asks you to do, even if, even if it's just one little step, it's usually going to take some bravery.
0: For yeah. Sure. Yeah. For sure. I think that's probably a pretty good place to wrap it up. <laughs> the, the one thing worth, worth saying that yeah. help people move forward hear the Lord and obey him. Yeah. So, um, do what
1: the Holy spirit is asking you to
0: do. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of work to
1: figuring out how to make sure you're getting that right. Yeah. Um, but that's a a yeah,
0: David. Thanks for so faithfully digging into Mark chapter four and skipping around the whole Bible with me today. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I hopefully you guys, as you're listening, you're you're soaking in the Gospel of Mark. Uh, hopefully, you're tracking with these deep dives. You're tracking with our Sunday messages. We'll be doing these again, most if not every uh, week, as we go through the Gospel of Mark, bringing us into uh, into Easter time so wherever you're listening uh hopefully we'll have an episode up next week and we'd love to encourage you subscribe keep watching keep tracking with us and we'll see you on sunday